On this episode of the Driving Improvement Podcast, my guest is Jason Helms, founder of Anyman Fitness, an online community providing fitness and nutrition coaching to people all over the country. Since starting Anyman Fitness in 2013, Jason has successfully coached over 7,000 people to understand the pathway to better health through a common sense approach to eating and exercising. Jason's journey to helping others was forged in his own struggles as he watched his body and his self-confidence slowly erode as he moved through college and into his career as a school teacher. Now healthy and happy as a husband and father of two, he spends his time helping others find the happiness and health that they deserve. On this episode, we discuss what it's like to gain control of your health, what it's like to jump from a steady job to starting your own business, and how helping people stay the course and fight old habits can be the hardest part of being a coach. All that and more on the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo, right now. Welcome, everyone, to the uh, Driving Improvement Podcast, and I'm pleased to have with me uh, the founder of Any Man Fitness, Jason Helms. Jason, how are you, man? Not too bad, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's been um, I've been following a, a lot of your stuff on social media. You're great at it, uh, and we'll we'll talk about all that stuff. But uh, definitely wanted to get you on here just based on you know as we were discussing off air, just sort of the the coaching background. There's a lot of similarities in some of the stuff you do, and and those of us in the coaching ranks in golf uh, do. So uh, first off, you know we're we're sort of working our way through this whole COVID thing. I feel like I've been doing this podcast like uh, under the black cloud of of COVID. But how's uh, how's your family uh, and the status of your business as we've worked through this mess and we feel like we're heading towards the other side of it? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Actually, in a strange way, COVID sort of helped my business a little bit last year, which does make sense being in the world of internet-based online fitness. You know, when everything was shutting down, uh, you know, last year in March and April, I, I ended up getting a, a flock of, of new clients. I actually had had a big exodus of current clients. You know, whenever there's that some sort of uncertainty in the financial crisis and some sort of an issue, yeah. you know, you'll get that initial, you know, sort of cancellation outflux. But I, I already had an established online business um, and, and I was able to provide at-home workouts, you know, using pretty much any equipment available and, and you know, a big clientele with, with good testimonials and whatnot. So that actually kind of in, in a strange, perverse way, did give me a little bit of a, a bump last year, and I kind of had, had to roll with it a little bit. Um, and and I, you know, we did some things to help some other businesses out. You know, I, I, uh, we did a, a crowdsourcing donation to a local pizza joint, and ended up giving them about sixty five hundred bucks or so, you know, yeah. to the to wait, waiters and cooks and those sorts of things. So, you know, we as a community, we tried to to give back, uh, especially uh, like I said, because it was such a difficult. Like I had such a mix of emotions, right? Like I mean, I was so excited that that I somehow I was sort of in the right place at the right time, and I got a little bit lucky with my mm -hmm. profession. But then, you know, there's this other flip side of it where it's on the back of of all these terrible things that are occurring and whatnot. Um, but no, uh, the business is, is, is good. Uh, you know, with last year, it didn't, didn't really uh, affect too much. Last year was definitely a lot of just making sure that my clients were able to survive their own situations, right? Um, making sure to master those habits um, that all of a sudden, instead of being out in society, they were at home 24 seven for the most part, which was just a drastic upheaval with the way that we all 
well, most of us anyways, end up living our lives. Um, so yeah, uh, last year was definitely about survival, definitely about making it through, making sure that, like I said, my clients had anything that they needed. And 2021 so far has been all about growth, right? As you said, we're kind of, we're emerging out of this and we're seeing things slowly improving. I live in Michigan and things up here are, are, are relatively strict, all things considered. I'm sure you've seen the headlines about our governor and sort of the way, mm-hmm. way things have been working up here. But even up here, uh, the cases are all coming down. We had a big surge lately, but those cases are coming down too. They're about half of what they were a week ago. And we're, we're all finally going, okay, okay, summer 2021. Is this, is this going to be an actual normal summer? And it, it's, yeah. I'm crossing those fingers, Mark. You know, I think we all are at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. Normal is kind of a word we're all really looking for, honestly. And yeah, I, I would, you know, certainly echo what you were saying too, Jason, about you know the the silver lining to this you know terrible situation. I mean, in our industry, the golf business has never been uh, bigger. Uh, it, it's off the chain. I mean, I, I'm booked six weeks out. Uh, minimum now and and golf courses can't find enough time so mm-hmm. you know there it has been some good stuff coming out of it so let's let's hope we're headed towards the right places um mm-hmm. so uh, giving everybody a little bit of a feel for for your situation too jason just give everybody a little bit of background um in, in terms of your story and how any man fitness came to fruition sure i i have actually somewhat of a uh, relatively stereotypical, I guess you could say, story um, in terms of, you know, when I was younger in, in middle school and high school and everything, I, I loved playing sports. I was extremely active. I've always been really tall. Uh, the second I walked into my high school, I was the tallest guy there as a freshman. You know, I was six foot seven. I was the biggest dude there. So I've just been a big athletic dude. I played basketball, baseball, football, all those sports. And I was constantly active. I was the kid when you were younger, you know, your coach is constantly saying, eat more, eat more, eat more, get in the weight room, eat more, put on weight. Because I was just, I was a beanpole. And gosh, I mean, I was probably eating you know, 10, 15, 20,000 calories a day. It didn't matter. I had the Michael Phelps diet. My metabolism was just so high with practices and everything. Uh, but then as soon as that stopped, uh, I didn't necessarily change the way I ate all too much. But all of a sudden, you know, when I was a sophomore in college, that's when I stopped. I played baseball a couple of years in college, but then I quit and hung up the spikes and time to get on with the real world, right? Not going to be a pro ball player no more. And yeah, within a year I had gained 50 pounds. I mean, it was just like, boom. You know, I was your very typical jock goes off to college, comes back after college and he weighs 60, 70 more pounds. You know, just that sort of a story. And I ended up meeting my wife uh, towards the end of my college experience. And we moved in together and we started the real world. I was a teacher and I got a job teaching middle school. And, you know, instead of all of those working out and all the different practices and everything, it was go to your job, come home. And and me and me and we were uh, engaged at the time. We weren't even married with this real little apartment. And we were we were playing real world. For the first time, if you will, you know, making our own dinners and grocery shopping together and all that stuff, kind of playing husband and wife sort of a deal. And uh, yeah, that wasn't too healthy for us either. Uh, We ended up getting a lot of takeout and and both ended up gaining some weight in that scenario. Um, So eventually, you know, it took time before I finally said enough is enough. I got married about 2005 and in 2010, my, my first daughter was born, Brooklyn. And I was teaching at the time. I was teaching middle school. And I distinctly remember Brooklyn was born in the summer of of 2010. And then I ended up going back to school in September. Shortly thereafter, there was the parent-teacher conferences, which happens, you know, usually around in October in most school districts. 
And as the parents are coming in, all of a sudden I have a new perspective on them because I have my own child at home now. I had never had my own child at home now. So as these parents are coming in, specifically the fathers that I'm you know, talking to and shaking their hands and talking about little Jane or John or whoever it is in the class, I'm just kind of noticing things, observing kind of the way they're put together, the way they talk to people, the way they look at people, their posture, their masculinity, the presence that they have, how they walk. I was just, just observing, really. And, and later, I remember just kind of thinking to myself, in 10 years, I'm going to be in that position. I'm going to be that guy right there who's coming into the middle school because his daughter has a parent-teacher conference. That's going to be me. Do I want to be what these people are? And it wasn't necessarily that I was judging them, so I don't want you know to get that part twisted. I wasn't looking at them saying, oh, gosh, I don't want to be like that guy or anything. But it was a self-reflection, right? Mm-hmm. It was a magic mirror moment where I start looking at them, picturing myself in their shoes, asking myself, is this what I want? And in most cases, uh, the answer was no. There were very few people that seemed polished and put together, seemed well-spoken, seemed physically healthy, metabolically healthy, someone that that really they, they feel proud that their child is, is looking up to, you know, that sort of an, an almost aura, I guess you could say. And I knew it started with the physical and that, and that was when I decided I really had to take it seriously. Um, so I did, I, I jumped down the, the evidence-based rabbit hole, if you will, because I tried a bunch of clickbait stuff, right? I remember when I was teaching, I used to, you know, I'd sit down at my desk in the morning and my big old Dunlap would hang out over my belly, you know, and it's barely tucked in and I'm sipping my coffee and I get on the yacht who, because I got to check the internet before I look at any parent, you know, emails and complaints that are coming into my inbox. So you jump on the internet to, to browse for 10 or 15 minutes. I used to get on like, uh, you know, Yahoo or MSNBC or MSN.com and find the health section, right? And they would have these articles that would be like, top six superfoods to flatten your belly and try these eight core blasting moves. You'll have a six pack of notes, all that clickbait crap. I mean, I've done that for years and none of it ever did Jack. I remember coming up with grocery lists of the top five superfoods, going to the store and buying like pounds of all of them and saying, this is all I'm eating. And then having it do absolutely Jack. I mean, you know, that's not going to do anything. Right. Um, So I got really frustrated with that. So I started uh, really looking at success stories of other people, real success stories, started searching for unbiased practitioners, people that weren't going to tell me lies in order to, to further some sort of an agenda, reading actual nutritional studies, um, and I started applying those lessons to myself and over the process of about two years from 2011 to 2013 or so, I ended up losing about 90 pounds. Um, I went from six, eight, almost 300 to about 205. And, and remember that's six foot eight too. Um, and you know, being 205, I don't think I was 205 since I was like 13 years old or something. <laughs> I was, I was definitely, I hadn't bulked up yet. I was definitely too skinny. Um, I was pretty darn strong because I was lifting that entire time. Um, but yeah, so I, I lost all that weight. Not Obviously, when you end up losing that just drastic amount of weight, you know, I, I went from like the guy with the Dunlap 44 inch waist to like a full eight pack sort of a deal. So my friends were all going, oh, my gosh, how did you do that, man? How, what are you doing? Are, are you going at the time? Paleo was really usually. Oh, are you going paleo or are you using intermittent fast? You must be eating like a caveman, right? <laughs> no, man, I, I eat normal food. So, so I started helping friends out slowly and they started losing weight and getting into awesome shape. And it was honestly a, a buddy of mine who 
sat me down after softball and he starts asking me questions, you know, uh, what, what should I do about this? What should, when should I eat this meal? How about these macros? What would you do in this work? Just peppering me with fitness questions. And I'm answering, I would do this, I would do that. You should probably try this, da, 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 providing him some nuance and everything. And after he's done, he's satisfied with all the answers. All right, man, I'll work on that. And he looks at me and he goes, so when are you going to start a business? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, literally, I, it, it hadn't even crossed my mind. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, dude, I've lost like 35 pounds. I'm 30 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. I have visible abs. I've never had visible abs. Like, and you did it for free. He's like, man, people pay a lot of money for this sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, shoot. huh? So you know what? I, I, I said, I guess it's time to take action. And the very next day at school on my lunch break, I whipped out the old computer and I got on Google and I literally typed in how to start a blog and I hit enter. And that was the beginning. <laughs> there mm, you go. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's the, uh, real quick, what's the makeup now for you with clients, uh, one-on-one versus group coaching? Like what's, what's the, what's the, the numbers look like now for you with your clients? I have a number of different offers that I have. Uh, really, there are three main offers. I do one-on-one, like e- exclusive sort of personalized uh, approaches where I hand create everything for the client, hand create the diet, hand create the workouts and work really closely with them. Um, I don't like to keep those numbers too high, about 40 of those one-on-one clients, um, anything more than about 50. And, and it gets really difficult to service them the, really the way that you're, you're supposed to be. Um, you start to forget things. If, if you get past 50, that does end up happening. Um, so I also have a, a lower cost, sort of like a membership model tier, um, where it's, you know, $37 per month for, and you get your access to a bunch of different various training programs, and then sort of like a, a content vault, if you will. And there's a community, a workout app, recipe guides, sort of like you're all in one sort of a, a fitness program. Um, I have about a 125, I think, clients that are currently in that uh, ongoing sort of, like I said, lower cost membership model. And then I do run six week courses from time to time. I have a pretty popular one I run called No Cardio Fat Shredding. Uh, and it combines minimalist weight training, meaning like 30 minute workouts three times per week. That's it without any additional activity combined with a diet. Um, that, that one's pretty popular. Uh, that does appeal to a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, barely working out and losing lots of weights and not doing any cardio. That's a very appealing fitness program. Um, so those vary um, anywhere between 150 to, uh, our, I think our latest one was our biggest one. Uh, we hit uh, about 234 people in the last no cardio fetching that we had, which is actually finishing up this week. So those are the main offers that I do have. I also have an ebook every once in a while, people just, you know, they just want to work out sort of a deal. Um, so I have a muscle building protocol that I've used on myself. I have that for sale. And then I also run free challenges and whatnot. So people can get a taste for kind of how I am, the way I teach, the way my the materials come across to see if they'd be a good fit. So I kind of do like free coaching for five days periodically. And then at the end of it, hey, if you want to join, here you go. If not, no harm, no foul, that sort of a thing as well. So those are, that's really, so all in all, if you add them all up currently, because I'm running a no cardio fat shredding, I don't know, like 1,100 clients or so in the ballpark Fantastic. probably, yeah. which is just wild to think. Like it's just crazy. Like when you like, it still almost seems totally surreal that you know five years ago I was teaching the Pythagorean theorem to seventh graders, and now I'm <laughs> teaching 1,100 people all across the globe how to do fitness via the internet. It's just it's it, 2021, man. It's a crazy world we live in. Yeah, oh, uh, that's for sure. So do you feel like the coaching part of this and and creating that that coaching program with these people in some form is 
was rooted, obviously you had a reason for yourself to make changes, but is, is the coaching and the love of coaching these folks to help their, them improve and get better? Is it rooted in your teaching? Maybe that, that teaching that you, you got into it and, and you know, that, that draw of helping others and helping others learn education. Oh, without a doubt, Mark. I, I tell people I didn't quit teaching. Actually, I just teach something different and I use a different right. medium. That's all. Like, I mean, I'm teaching online courses and those online courses are fitness. That's literally what, I, what I'm doing. So I, I do think that that's something that has been able to help me um, as far as the business goes, because I did have 12 years of experience in speaking with others and in creating lesson plans and in kind of trying to instinctively figure out when is a kid going to struggle with this concept at what step are they going to get stuck? What might they be thinking at that point? I ended up after 12 years of it, having a relatively high emotional IQ where I can, I can just sense what people will feel in, in certain scenarios. And that does help me a lot as a coach it gives me a little bit of an advantage. Uh, I often hear from clients because you know, when, especially with the lower cost things with, with the one-on-one -on -one stuff, all, a lot of that is me, you, right? If we were doing it, we would be emailing each other back and forth. One, on one but with the group stuff just because of the way it's formatted and, and for the price point and whatnot and the numbers that you do it has to be somewhat automated right um mm -hmm. so when the email sequences go out go through it's extremely common for me to get emails back going dude how like literally are you in my head like how did you know like i'm i woke up feeling this type of way and i check my email and here's a, a lesson right there from coach jay talking about feeling this type of way how does that happen and it's well i kind of been, been doing this a while. Um, but no, I, 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 you know, when I first started coaching, it was funny. Like, I'm like, all right, I know how to get these people in shape, but what are they going to need? And it's, you're just making lesson plans. That's all you're doing is making lesson plans. So the, the teaching background absolutely helped me out um, without a doubt. And, and I'll, I'll probably always be a teacher, if you will, just uh, teaching various methodologies and in, in, in different subject matter. Yeah. So, uh then the then it begs the question, uh, and this is sort of at the root of a, a lot of why I do this podcast and and just coaching in general. But why is improvement? And it doesn't really matter what what uh, form we're talking about, golf or fitness. But why is improvement and getting better, or in your case, for your clients, getting healthier, more fit? Why is it such a struggle for most? <sighs> it's. It there's a lot of different reasons why, especially, you know, improvement. I'll, I'll speak a little bit more towards the fitness side of improvement, towards the, you know, the weight loss side and the exercise side. I think a lot of this has to do with just how drastically our society in general has changed. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's changed a lot with Excuse me, sorry. Grab a drink there. It's changed a lot with technological advancements later, but 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 even like the differences between when I was a kid, you know, I, and I, that makes me sound old. I just turned forty recently, so am I allowed to say when I was a kid? I think I can do that, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I remember when I was a kid, going out to eat was something maybe we did like once a month. Like we rarely went out to eat. It was only on very special occasions. And maybe we were, we were different than most. I guess that that's possible. But, you know, whereas we used to eat three squares per day, we used to refrain from snacking. We used to make our meals at home. We used to buy this home-cooked meal and, and, and always be focused on, on doing that. We've, we've gotten away from that. There's obviously a two-income trap in, in many, many families across America. So everybody's working. Everybody's stressed. Everybody's time crunched. In order to really make fitness possible, you have to become a much more organized human being. I think that's really, really important because you need to prepare 
for your week. You need to prepare for all of these good habits. Good habits don't just happen because you wake up in the morning and you go about your day. Good habits are intentional. You have to set yourself up with your schedule and with your diet to intentionally make the choices that you want to make to get closer to where you want to be. And those are difficult concepts. That's that's not easy to do. That's sort of a, you know, um, learning how to delay gratification and do things that are going to benefit the future you. I think one of the biggest failures that, that people do make is, is they try, they get shiny object syndrome way too quickly and they try to rush their progress. Mm-hmm. I see that all the time. Um, I was talking and, and it, it derails diets. It causes people to quit and, and get frustrated way too quickly. And Mark, the crazy thing is in, in many of those cases, what they are doing is working perfectly. It's working perfectly. They're getting stronger. They're getting healthier. They're getting fitter. They're losing fat, but they just think it needs to be faster. It's like someone who's contributing to their 401k and they say, screw it. I'm going all in on doggy coin. <laughs> like, it's like, Hey, that 401k was working, man. You're going to be able to retire on that 401k. You don't want to mess with the dog, you know, <laughs> yeah. at least not now, but you know, it's the same sort of a concept. I had uh, a client just this morning is at the tail end of no cardio fat shredding. Like I said, we're, we're ending this week. She's done phenomenally, lost boatloads of inches, and she's down 10 pounds in five weeks. And uh, she emailed me this morning telling me how frustrated she was. The scale wasn't moving more. And I, I you know, it's it's tough when you get in those situations as a coach because you know, I, I think my response was, hey, if you lost weight at this pace for the rest of the year, you would lose 104 pounds. Do you still think that's slow? She's like, oh, I didn't really think about it. Like, you know, but here she is. I'm so frustrated. And I'm like, this is literally like the almost as good as it possibly gets. Like right now, you are destroying this fat loss phase that you got going on right now. And you're doing an amazing job. But this is this is human nature. We 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 want it now. We see these crazy, you know, you watch the biggest loser and these guys every two weeks, they're losing 22 pounds or some just ridiculous you know, number or these days they see medical weight loss commercials. You know, I lost 120 pounds in three months or, you know, and they don't show you what happens two years later or three years later when they haven't really learned the skills, you know, to stay lean permanently. But uh, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, so much gold in there, honestly, as we apply it, you know, for any of the golfers listening to, again, it doesn't matter that we're talking about fitness, although obviously it, it applies, but, you know, I deal with that on a daily basis. Uh, Jason, especially with my my long term year round students, it's like, look, we're doing this for the long term. It's it's progression. We gotta sometimes you just gotta lift them up and and give them a push. Say you're doing great. You gotta stick with it. And as you say, we're in this instant gratification mindset half the time, and it's like, look, improvement does not uh, work in a straight line upward. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. you know it, it's difficult, and there's peaks and valleys. So that the shortcut versus long-term approach. I mean, that's, that's perfect, man. I mean, I, I think you, you've got to, as a coach, sometimes just say, Hey, look, you're doing great. Don't, don't mm-hmm, change. Mm-hmm. Don't change. Yep. Your progress is going to look like the stock market over time, right? I mean, the, the, the yeah. trend is going to be where you want it to be, but there's going to be hills and valleys. There's going to be good days and bad days. And you just, you have to make sure that, that you're, you're metacognitive enough to realize like, okay, this is just a bad day. Like I'm in my feels today for whatever reason, allow yourself to be in your feels, be cool with it and tell yourself, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and turn the page and I'm going to move on. You know, but when you, you get in those feels and you go, ah, screw it, I'm going out to eat or I'm buying a 12 pack or I'm, I'm ordering a pizza or I'm what I'm skipping my workout i'm gonna what you know those things all you're doing is compounding the issue and you're just you're just, you know you're, you're pushing it further on down the road um i like to tell people you know you were talking about making sure to tell your younger golfers like hey this is a process we're going to slowly get better 
that is like the crux of self-improvement, right? As long as you're continuously getting better, it doesn't matter if you're getting better like a half a percent a day, 1% a day, 3% a day, as long as you are continuously getting better. I mean, you're in 10 years, you're going to be unrecognizable. Like as the skills that you have, you, you won't even, you won't recognize your life a decade from now. And, and progress is always going to seem fast but slow. Progress is fast but slow. And what I mean by that is day to day, it is slow. It is a grind, but you have to forget about that. You have to focus on the present and live in, in the present time, you know? Um, and then if you look back at yourself six uh, six months later or a year later or whatnot, that's when you go, oh, wow, look at all the progress I made in a year. That's when it starts seeming fast. When you look yeah. back at it six months later, a year later. But in the day-to-day, it never seems fast. You know, you have to just live in the present moment and forget about the past and forget about the future and tackle the day. Um, I'm sure you know who, uh, well, maybe not. Uh, you know who James Clear is. Um, the, he's the author of Atomic Habits. Yes, uh, I've seen the name, yes. Here's a quote that I absolutely love that I, I tell to clients relatively frequently. All you have to do to do unbelievable things in life is have one good day on repeat. That's mm. it. That's all you got to do. One good day on repeat. Very simple concept, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. I, yeah, I, I, love, I love that quote. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Uh, so uh, f- finish a sentence here for me. Uh, difficulty taking the first step for most people is? Simply whatever... The difficult part is understanding that you do need help and you want to go get that help. I think there's like this this big almost stone wall that some people put up, right? Where it's almost like perhaps they've failed in the in the past. Perhaps they've had issues in the past. They haven't accomplished those goals. So maybe they've taken that first step before, but because those first steps weren't victorious, they didn't end up accomplishing their goals, they're extremely hesitant to take that next first step to actually get out there and just do it, right? It's like, um, you know, if you are someone who's trying to go pick up a girl and you get rejected 20 times, the 21st time, you're going to have a lot less confidence than you had on time number one. You're going to be second guessing yourself and maybe my approach is off, maybe this, maybe, and maybe you'll be searching for the next holy grail, right? The next shiny object to help you gain this confidence with, with the opposite sex. And a lot of that is, is kind of like fitness. Uh, people get paralysis by analysis and, and you know, there, there seems to be so much different information that's out there. And if you need to lose weight, everyone and their brother has an opinion on it and will tell you exactly how to lose weight, even though many of those opinions are absolute nonsense and and people really don't know what they're doing. But everybody will claim that they do. So that just throws a lot of uncertainty into people's heads, right? Should I try this diet? Should I try that diet? What should I? And, And it never really dawns on them that maybe you shouldn't be trying a diet. Maybe you should just be trying to change your lifestyle and the foods that you eat and, and, you know, become a more active person in general and slowly work on building those habits. And, and eventually, you know, you'll, you'll actually accomplish that goal. But, but yeah, it's a, inertia is difficult and, and change is difficult. Um, there's a concept that I like to, to discuss with clients called minimize the change. You want to minimize the change at all times, especially when you're trying to change something in your life, some sort of a lifestyle improvement. And at the beginning, right, someone, let's say someone comes to me, Mark, and they have, you know, a goal to lose 60 pounds. You go, all right, 60 pounds. Okay, sounds good. And we use flexible dieting. So we use a combination of macronutrient tracking and strength training and whatnot. So they get their program talking to them. All right, let's, let's, 
Make sure that you're ready to go for next week. Okay, good to go. Sounds good. Tuesday, boom. Oh my gosh, Jason, I don't think I can do this. It's too overwhelming. It's, too, and it's because they're, they're thinking like in terms of this big, huge picture, all this stuff that needs to change. And it feels insurmountable, like this massive weight that's just on top of them. You just go, we need to minimize this change. You only have two things to do. Number one, can you do that workout that, that I made for you? Can, can you do that? Yeah, Coach Jay, I can do that. Okay, cool. You think you can create some meals and, and try to hit those macro targets today? Can you do that? Yeah, Coach Jay, I can do that. Cool. Well, then forget everything else. That's, that's literally all there is to do it. You know, Fitness is extremely simple. It really is. Yes, there's nuance and stuff you have to deal with. And every once in a while, you hit a roadblock and a plateau that gets a little tricky. But it's simple. It's, it's very simple concepts. Applying them, that's the difficult part. So that's the first thing that that, that I think a lot of gets in a lot of people's heads is they just think about how long this is going to take. And then they start. And the first time there's just a little pebble on that path, it hits the spokes and they go flying off and I'm done, you know, because, oh man, two years off, there's already a frustration. There's no way I'll never get this done. I'm out, you know? So I think those sorts of things, those, the mind plays tricks on you sometimes, you know? Yeah. And I love your, your point there too, about, you know, you've got, you've got your plan, you've got two things to do. And I try and make sure for all my students, you know, at the end of the lesson, a lot of my students have a lot of stuff kicking around. You talk about the emotional intelligence, you can look at their face and you can see the wheels turning. And so it's my job to say, Hey, look, just remember what we're doing here. We got two things to work on. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's the drills you need to do. Here's what you're supposed to do. And part of your job also, as you mentioned there also, is there's so much information and everybody and their mother wants to be an expert. And in our, in our sport, you know, you go to the driving range and hit balls. Everybody there is professional to the person who they're better than uh, next to them. So they all immediately try and think they can help them. And so a part of our job too is to eliminate a lot of that clutter and say, look, you got to focus on what works for you and stick with the program here. So I think mm -hmm. that's uh, a really, really great point you make there about you know, sometimes you just got to one step at a time, one one thing at a time. Don't look at the whole forest first. You know, first. So some, it's somewhere along the line, the idea of multitasking, you know, became a thing, right? Probably about 20 or 30 years ago. Multitasking. We got to get more done with less sort of a deal until we all realized that that was a complete sham and there's no such thing as multitasking. And your brain can only process one set of synapses at once. So it's better to have laser-like focus on one thing at a time. You'll get much better results that way, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, so Jason, just kind of sliding into sort of the, some of the stuff we're talking about too, as you, as you deal with your clients and, and sort of the habits and things like that. I mean, it, in your world, uh, in fitness, because I'm, I'm curious how this relates relative to mine, I view failure and I have this discussion with my guests often, but failure, if used correctly as a good jumping point to continue to improve, you can learn a lot from failure. Do you see failures, stumbles for your clients as something that can be actually a positive for them? Or is it a little different uh, in your world in terms of, say, they, they fall off the wagon with their eating or they're not sticking to the program? Uh, what's, your, what's your take on failure as a general sense? It, it, failure as a general sense is one of the most helpful learning topics that, that we can ever have as human beings, right? I mean, that's actionable feedback. You attempted something, you tried it, you gave it your all, it did not work out. You know, you put forth some sort of a process, some sort of a, a series of steps to prepare to try to get to point B and it didn't work. So we need, you know, it's almost like some sort of a, all right, let's figure this out. We have a puzzle on our hands. What did we do incorrectly? And so I, I, 
a failure is one of the most important parts of life, just in general. To to fail, and and because as you fail, you get better at failing. And I'm not I'm not not saying that people should try to you know be huge failures in life or anything. But as you fail, you do get better at failing, and that is a skill in and of itself. To be able to take the shot, realize, hey, I failed. No big deal. It's not a reflection of my self-worth. It's not me as a human being. It's certain actions that I did that, that don't even necessarily have any morality, right? I preach that all the time in, in fitness. You know, I get these emails. Oh, Coach Jay, I fucked up. I ate too much food. I, I, I went out. I had a social event. I got drunk. I ate this, that. I ate pizza at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I go, and they say, oh, I'm so bad. I did so badly. I'm so terrible. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like you ate cheese dough and pizza sauce. Like, how does that make you a, a bad person? You didn't kill somebody. Like, you know, you're not, you're fine. Like, you know, th- there is no morality with so much of this stuff, but we, we tie it to our morality, right? And to our sense of self-worth and our sense of self-being. And as we fail, you know, we become more and more resilient to those things. We stop becoming emotional when we fail. We start to to learn and, and be able to seek out those lessons of failure. Um, I, I honestly, over the years, I've really learned to embrace failure because if you don't, if you're doing your own thing, as I'm sure you know, Mark, if you're doing your own thing, you're just, you're going to fail. There are going to be some, you know, golf offers, whether it's for, for lessons or this or that, or, or different strategies that you try with your clients. And you're just like, well, that didn't work like at all. Yeah. That didn't. Okay, I failed. But you don't let that become part of Mark Russo's self worth. You don't. You don't go home and, oh man, I, I had a bad lesson. No, you just brush. All right, that didn't work. So let's figure out what is going to work. So you you kind of become a little bit immune to feeling feeling badly because yeah, I've written some some emails that have have hammered and hit and and you know done wonderful and sales flowing through and I've had a whole lot of emails that I send and I'm like, here we go. <gasps> goose egg crickets you know and and, and mm. sometimes that's just that's life that's it it's it's all 100 how you deal with it and in the world of fitness yeah you're you're going to fail in fitness i mean nobody's nobody's not gonna fail in fitness you know um you know i, I would be considered a professional right this is my career and i haven't ever gone for more than about five or six weeks uh without cracking on my diet without failing on my diet you know i, I can go but fair amount of time without really breaking. I'm, I have a lot of discipline. I've been doing this for a very long time, but even I, I can't go, go much more than that before I'm going to fail. But I stopped equating, you know, back in 2001 when I would fail, that was the self-loathing in the, but I've been around the block and that by now. And now when, when I eat food, I feel nothing I, other than that was delicious food. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. it. There is no sort of emotion tied onto that food at all. And I'll tell you what, Mark, that's, that's liberating because it, it definitely was not like that. I was the guy who cracked on his diet you know, many moons ago, went to the store, ordered a cheesecake and ate it all. Like literally that has happened on, on occasion before. And then afterwards it's the self-loathing. What am I doing? I just, you that disgusting, you know, all that negative self-talk comes up and then you feel like you did something wrong because you ate some cake. Like, I mean, what? come on, you know, you need to be a little bit more logical than emotional. And that does come with time. So uh, given that, how would you, uh, how would you describe your, and you've described it uh, a little bit here through, through some of the, the stuff we've talked about, but how would you describe your coaching style? If somebody said, Hey, how do you, you know, 
describe your coaching style. Put it, put it out there. <laughs> I actually have been told that I need to be more of a hard ass as a coach. I have a very empathetic hmm. coaching style, actually. And it might not seem like that when you hear me talking and discussing, but I'm I, I'm pretty empathetic. I'm I'm will never yell at a client for you know not hitting their their marks. I'll make, make sure to tell them, you know, when they say, Well, here's my results and I went over on my calories three days last week and I and I'll go, Well, okay, that's that's why your results don't look the way they should if you you know you, you can't have three off days in the course of one week and expect to see those results so i'll still do that but uh, no it's all it's all empathy it, it, i've been in their shoes before i know what that's like i know what they feel like and i told you that i have a i do i'm self-aware enough to know that i have a relatively high emotional iq so it's almost like i i, I, I put myself in their shoes and like i instantly just kind of feel badly i guess you could say so it's difficult for me to kind of be a hard ass to to people now when they're you know, if they're consistently over and over saying, you know, I'm, I'm messing up and I'm struggling and I'm this and I'm that, and then they're mad because they're not getting results. Yeah. I mean, I gotta, Hey, now, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but no, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm a pretty empathetic, pretty, pretty loose, I guess you could say, um, as a coach, I'm, I have somewhat libertarian views just in the fact that I'm really big on personal responsibility. Um, and I, that actually back when I was teaching, they used to get me in trouble in the classroom because I taught uh, sixth or eighth graders, but most of my career was eighth graders and I taught uh, advanced algebra. So it was actually a high school course. So it was a big old course full like 40 kids or whatever. And I, I would tell them, I'd be like, I'm going to give you the homework. And if you don't do it, I'm I'm going to shrug my shoulders and say, that's on you. I'm not going to call your mom or dad or anything. That's just, I mean, you're going to be in high school next year and this is the way it's going to be in high school. So you want to get a good grade, do your work. And that's that. And like some the principals sometimes didn't like that approach. I was a little too like personal responsibility for 13 and 14 year olds. But I'll tell you what, those kids came back later and said, I was totally prepared after taking your class because you just said you want to fail. That's on you. Like, you know, you're old enough to realize that by now, you know, that sort of a thing. Yeah. The personal accountability. I mean, sometimes I agree with you, though. I mean, I, I think. I, I think sometimes you have to take the different tacks with the students and obviously having that emotional intelligence, being able to read somebody, understand how they learn best, especially once you spend enough time with them. Uh, but, you know, I, I never responded very well to coaches who screamed and yelled at me. You know, it just didn't work for me. And obviously we have clients paying us too. And sometimes you've got to be a little harder on them than others. But, yeah. you know, I, I think I think it also helps. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it also it certainly helps that all your clients know, you know, that you put your story out there. They know you've mm -hmm. been in their shoes, right? Yep. So that has to help. That definitely does help. And I also, um, I, I mean, I, I do use the same program that my clients use, right? I mean, I might cater my workouts to my own preferences, but I use the exact same system that they use. I, you know, it's, it's macronutrient tracking and, you know, that's sort of a flexible dieting approach. I, I do the exact same thing that they do. Um, and there have been, they always get a kick out of it when I'm literally doing like one of the workouts that they all have available for them. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, Coach Jay is doing the Tuesday workout from the PPL program that we have. And I'm like, well, yeah. And they're like, I can't believe you do those. And I'm like, why? Like, you know, it, it's apparently a rare thing for fitness coaches to actually you do the same workouts. Everyone thinks there's these you know super secret workouts that we save only for ourselves, and ha ha, ha nobody else gets them. Like, no, like not at all. Like, it's just not the way it works. So, yeah, I have fun with my clients. It's it's it is definitely a community. We we have a blast and a good time, and uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, so that that uh, you use that word community. So I'm going to slide to that because I, I had that on here actually the exact word because I think it's. An important part. And I think it's also one of the things that uh, got my attention as I was watching some of the stuff you post and everything too. And it's, 
how important is that to have a sense of a, a community, uh, a culture, uh, and for it to be welcoming, especially in this scenario where some of these people are, you know, they're, they're worried about taking that first step. It's scary. Uh, it's, and to have that community sense. Uh, in fitness, it's everything. It's absolutely everything. People will join a fitness program to get results, but at some point they're going to, those results are going to be done. So why are they going to stay? You know, you better give some sort of a reason to stay. And that reason is probably just not here. Keep doing some more workouts that I created for you. There has to be something else. Um, so I've heard it said before, people buy and purchase fitness for the results, but they stay for the community. Um, and, you know, there are, we have a Facebook community that we have right now. Um, it's, Somewhat, you know, as time goes on, people are shying more and more away from Facebook. That was something that I started back in like 2016. So I'm working on an app for our clients um, and a custom made app for them that's going to have their own community built into it, like a almost like a Reddit style message board. It's going to be on there so that we can hang out. Uh, but a shout out to, I, I call our community the Army of Greatness. Once you are in my coaching with me, you are a soldier in the Army. It's time for your tour of duty. We're going to lace up those boots, we're going to get the work so you know have a little fun with it you got to remember when i was in high school it was all about master p and make them say uh if you remember that song it was all it was all the the no limit soldiers i thought i told you right um but no we have a lot of fun with it right like i mean fitness i almost see fitness similar to math in the way that people just find it boring you know what what a boring topic bench presses and calories and protein grams but so you have to spice it up a little bit you have to have some fun and really that's what that's what it's all about we've had meetups before we've gone to Las Vegas uh, and Boulder Colorado with clients i've had you know, clients roll through Michigan, um, you know, they're traveling. So I go out to lunch with them or we go hit up a, a gym and get a workout in. We have clients all the time, you know, they're spread out all across the world, really. So if a client is going to a city, they'll pop into the Facebook group and go, hey, I'm going to be in such and such city. So who's out there wants to stop up for lunch? And there's always someone within like, you know, 30, 50 miles or so that yeah, you can meet up and get a lunch together and whatnot. Um, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, and, and it's something that has happened organically. Uh, I haven't really tried too hard on it. I think I kind of attract a certain type of a person, if you will. And I've gotten kind of lucky um, in the fact that we've had very few you know, behavioral or anything issues in the group. And it's like wonderful. Talk about a group of like-minded people. And the coolest part about it, Mark, is like there are people in this group that are 75 years old. There are people in this group that are 18 years old. There are people in this group that are black, white, yellow, brown, live on every continent except for like Antarctica, I believe. I think every other continent is covered. So you know, what a cool, unique experience to have all these different religions and races and ethnicities and backgrounds. And no matter what, they're getting into this group. And guess what? They're not posting about politics. They're not posting about social media stuff. They're posting about let's all work together and get fit. Like, so it's just just such, I can't even talk enough about them. They're, they're the most amazing people in the world. Um, but yeah, I've had the, some of the people in there have been with me from the jump. So yeah, their clients working on eight years now. So uh, I, I awesome. take that as a, as a good sign that I still got some people that are with me eight years later um, and, and still doing their, doing their thing with any man fitness for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool too, because uh, you know, you, it just to give people, and I bring this up often is that, you know, giving, giving them more joy, Obviously, you're helping them get more health, hopefully more life, right? Mm -hmm. But sure. they're getting joy and value out of this whole thing. And I think that's, you know, from a business perspective, you know, it just makes it that much easier for you to enjoy what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And and again, like you said, you, they feel like they're getting more than they're 
out of it than they're putting into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, financially it's a no brainer. And then, then they get a chance to meet other people. So it's a great, it's a, a great business model, if you will, once you put the work in and set it up and that's, you know, for you, what was it like from a, uh, a difficulty standpoint, you know, kind of starting over, so to speak with, you know, a client base of basically zero, right? When you started, well, maybe you had the one guy you gave free, <laughs> free advice. So maybe, he's, <laughs> maybe he was your one client and then you started out and, and you start from zero. So you start doing your own thing. I mean, how scary is that? Right? Well, I, you got to remember, I did, I, I actually, I, I didn't tell you this part. When I started, I started Animan Fitness in 2013 and it was definitely a side gig while I was teaching from 2013 oh, until 2016. So at the start, it was just, it was literally me and a blog. So here, here's kind of, this is kind of a cool lesson for anybody out there that wants to start their own thing. I get that all the time in my DMs on Instagram and Twitter. And it, I want to start my own thing. I want to do, I want to be you in 10 years. How can I be you in 10 years? And I go, Bro, literally, get on Google right now. How to start a blog. That was my first step, right? Just the same way that I told you, Mark. But my entire thought process was because as I was teaching, teachers are notoriously low and underpaid, right? So I'm always looking for ways to earn a little bit of extra scratch. So I'd come before school and I would help the kids off the buses. I would stay after school to load the kids onto the buses. I would work through my lunch, cafeteria, whatnot, cafeteria duty. During my planning period, if we needed an extra substitute, we'd get a little extra money for that. I was coaching high school varsity baseball. In the summer, I was washing windows. I mean, I was just like in full hustle mode. I was all over the place, hustling, hustling, hustling. And then I realized, like, if I don't figure out a way to separate my dollars from my hours, I'm just going to be working myself ragged forever for $60,000 a year. Like, that's what I'm going to be doing because that's, that, that is like my future because that's how teaching is unless I learn how to separate those two things. And I had been super interested in fitness right? And I lost all this weight. And I had a lot of friends that were, were, were asking me for help. So I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this website and I'm going to, with the eyes of a teacher and the mind of a teacher, I'm just going to start making lessons that I think will help people. That's it. I'm going to coach some people for free on the side. And as I coach them for free on the side, at the end, it'll be an exchange for a testimonial and a before and after shot, because I knew that was the most important thing. People need to see that I can get them results. And before and after pictures are literally, those are your brochures as a fitness coach. This is the most important thing if I ever want to make fitness sales and get actual clients for it. So all I did for six straight months was write and coach for free. And I was, this was during the summer, this was the summer of 2013 that this was going on, write and coach for free, write and coach for free. I mean, 40 hours a week, that entire summer, didn't make a penny, had a blast doing it. So much fun, right? I'm writing blogs. Like all of a sudden I feel like I'm some sort of a superhero, Clark Kent writing all these blogs. I don't know why. I just, I felt really cool doing it, but I slowly built that on the side. And by the time I stopped uh, in 2016, I, I was, I was established. I definitely was. I was outpacing my teacher's salary. Um, it still made it scary. I'm not going to tell you that, that quitting teaching and dropping in essence, what is a guaranteed paycheck for life and pension and insurance and everything else until the day I want to give it up to give that up at the age of 35. That was, that was very, very, very scary. Um, because, uh, I mean, you got to remember I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old at home and I'm looking at them going, Oof, man, what if, what if, what if something happens? What? And even though my business was established, um, that was, uh, that, that was one of the most stressful just moments of my life. And plus there's, 
we all have insecurities and we all have self-doubts, you know, and those, those creep into your head and you try to, to shut them up, but they're there and, and they, they nag at you a little bit. Those are the things that you think about at three o'clock in the morning you know, when you're, you're staring at the ceiling and you know, your wife's asleep next to you and you go, dang, you know, but uh, so no, it wasn't in, as scary as it would have been if I had jumped without having clients uh, already under my belt and knowing that I was going to be able to keep the lights on, I knew it was never going to come down to, can I keep the lights on? Can I pay my bills? Um, and, and my wife is an engineer as well. I got to give a shout out to her. She has been my backbone throughout all of this. I um, mean, she, she's an engineer and uh, she's, uh, you know, worked way up project manager sort of a deal. So I knew that even if something weird happened and I was unemployed for a little bit and I had to find myself and switch careers again, if the fitness thing didn't work out, uh, Kate, my wife, would, would she be okay? She'd be able to, to, to handle that. And I've done the same for her when she's, she's switched a few careers too. And there, there you go. There's another thing, having a partner that's on your side and has your back and, and can help you through those, those tough situations and scenarios. That's a, that's worth its weight in gold for sure. Yeah, well, I, I certainly echo that, man. I mean, I, I when I made my change from uh, my you know solid paying job to to quit and do it, I I had my wife backing me up uh, as the president of a company, and she's you know it sounds like awesome. you and I sounds like you and I both uh, outpunted our coverage for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did <laughs> on the home front, <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. Everybody who knows me knows that's the truth. Uh, that's for sure. Hey, we'll we'll catch up one of these days, Mark. We'll, yeah, if well, we keep trying, it's all those one percent improvements, Mark. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, something tells me I'll be tracking behind for a while, but that's all right. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, so, Jason. Uh, Post, well, we'll call it post-COVID, but we're still dealing with it, but we're getting there. Post-COVID, sort of what what changes do you do you feel like um, have happened to uh, the fitness world uh, and, and, you know, any of your clients? I mean, it, you've you posted often, uh, and, and I know other people have talked about this as well, it's sort of like last year, especially during the quarantine, was was a chance for people to take advantage of that time off, so to speak, and find a way to get healthy. And it's either you did or you didn't. And a lot of people went the opposite way. So what do you see happening as a result of it? Is there any residual effect from this, this whole deal over the last year and a half? I think there's certainly going to be a residual effect. I saw a study just a couple of days ago that said like the average person has gained 27 pounds over the last year, which is just mm. shocking, especially if you're talking the average person that you know, you, there's probably people that did substantially uh, you know, worse than that, I guess you could say. Um, so I think we're going to be doing our best to reverse, you know, the effects of COVID and the effects of basically staying inside your house for, for, up to a year for a lot of people. It's going to take some time to reverse those things. And you know what? You're 100% correct. You know, it right when it happened, it, it wasn't more than a couple of weeks later. And we already had data. We already knew that obesity was the number one driver of the, 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 you know, the coronavirus epidemic. Like, you know, if, if you're looking at the hospital rates, like it's some of the vast majority of the people that are hospitalized end up in ICUs on ventilators and end up passing away are older and obese and they're not metabolically healthy. We knew this at the very, very beginning. And, and the, the thing that, that definitely was a little bit frustrating as a coach. Now, obviously, you know, you know, my clients had plans and they were doing the best job that they could. But, you know, you, you, you kept seeing like where we knew that obesity was causing it. But all we're seeing are these reactive measures everywhere. Right. You're not seeing 
the CDC or the WHO or these companies, you know, the, these big organizations that are supposed to have our best interests in mind. You don't see these people saying, hey, every single day you should be going outside and getting 30 minutes of sunlight and fresh air because this is going to help your immune system and get you vitamin D and it's going to, to you know, help you out. You don't see them saying you really should be limiting your calories and making sure that you're eating X number of calories, whatever that is, you know, uh, or, or any sort of healthy living guidelines because we, at this point, we kind of know that if you're eating right, if you're exercising, if you're hydrating, if you're not drinking too much, if you're doing all of those little things, you can't say you're immune to COVID, but your odds are just multitudes higher of someone that doesn't do all those things with surviving it and having minimal side effects and whatnot. And it's kind of funny because, you know, we all hear the excuses to getting in shape. I don't have time. Um, I go out to eat too much. And so, you know, I have two friends, social situations always get in the way. I have too many trips. I have too many vacations. These are just your common, this is why I can't get into shape sort of excuses that you end up hearing. Well, all those excuses were eliminated last year. They were 100%. They were all gone, you know, but that's the difficult part is it's almost like I think COVID amplified who each individual was. If the individual was a person that was really into fitness, into habits, into being in shape, um, they realize this is an opportunity for personal growth. This is an opportunity to test my own habits, to see just how disciplined I actually am. Because if I can make it past this scenario, where like for me, for example, in essence, I had an adjustable dumb, uh, adjustable weight bench, adjustable dumbbells, and a pull-up bar hanging from the rafters in my basement. That was it. That's all I had. And I can proudly say that I didn't miss one workout in nine months. Those workouts were boring as all get out. You know, yeah. twice, twice a week, my workouts were, you know, 10 straight sets of pull-ups with two minutes of rest in between. It was my back workout. There you go. That was my entire, it took me like 35 minutes. That was my entire workout. Talk about boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so every single day I walked downstairs, I wanted to quit, but I said, you know, I can get past this. I mean, what else do I have to do? We're all quarantined. We're all sitting inside the house doing nothing. Um, but yeah, it, it, opportunities are whatever you make of them. Right. So, and, and, and that really was a great opportunity. We, between me and my wife, we got into uh, smoking meats, uh, me more so than her. Uh, I got, <laughs> we got into, uh, I got into cooking on a cast iron skillet, uh, cooking on an Instapot. We got, we definitely honed our cooking skills. Um, I certainly got better as a coach and learned some things. Uh, the last year has increased the speed of digital fitness. Probably it has it probably accelerated the pace 10 years in one year. Just how quickly, because everybody that was an in-person coach, an in-person trainer, owned their own gym, they had to get online stuff or they were going out of business. Those were their only two options. Like PPP loans will only go so far, right? Yeah. So because of that, everybody moves and everybody shifts. Well, and now one thing that I noticed is, you know, everywhere you look, everyone has free challenges. Everywhere you look, everyone has free macro counting apps. Free this. So you have to somehow figure out how to separate yourself from the pack. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think moving forward as far as the industry goes. I think the days of uh, let's call it the uh, the fitness influencer who is taking a selfie from an angle as they're walking down the street. And like, that's like the extent of their social media stuff and the extent of their products is that, that sort of a presentation of Facebook live or an Instagram live video, which there's nothing wrong with that. But the days of that being enough, I, I feel like those days are over. 
and those days yeah. are numbered. Um, so that's kind of why I, I, I'm going all in this year. And like I said, making that the, the custom app sort of a deal. Because when, when you have a real asset that that's yours, um, you know, hopefully that'll that'll start that process. But yeah, it's been a wild year. Um, I'll tell yeah. you one thing. You, know, you never know what's going to happen with entrepreneurship. And I promise you in 2016, I did not think worldwide pandemic in 2020 was going to be on my list of things that I'd have to get through in my, my fitness career. That's crazy, you know? No, no, I think we did a lot, all lost that bet for sure. Uh, so you mentioned the word earlier, uh, opportunity. So as we sort of wind it down a little bit, uh, what, um, what's next for you? Well, that's what this year is like. It's a big, big work year. Um, what I'm really trying to do at the very beginning of this conversation you asked about the various coaching offers that i have and there's really three main coaching offers the ebook isn't really a coaching offer that's if you want to work out by the ebook and it's fantastic and wonderful and all that good stuff but that's not really a coaching offer um, the three different coaching offers are the one-on-one the low-cost group and then the six-week courses so um i did uh, uh like i said i'm in the, the midst of getting the it's the group coaching offer that i'm turning into an app right now it's kind of piecemeal together sort of mm -hmm. a deal, right? It's like there's, there's an app and then there's a Facebook group. And then we have like a hub where members can go, like all the content is that they can you know, peruse at their own uh, own pace and they get an email. Sequence. So it's kind of disjointed. So we're taking that all and we're polishing it up and making it nice and shiny and beautiful and bloop. There you go for all the, the group coaching clients first. And then as soon as that gets done, I'm going to be working on the same thing, systemizing, um, automating and, and turning my other offers into standalone apps too. And some of that, honestly, Mark, is because I'm, I'm a one person business, believe it or not. It's just me. I have some guys that uh, I, I use uh, as uh, consultants, right? Where I run ideas off of them and the two of us work together like that but there is no other coach other than me who works for any bit fitness that is going to change here here shortly but for now it's just me so in, in essence i end up being the bottleneck of the business if you will because there's only one of me so i need to systemize everything as best as i possibly can um, in order to take some of that work off of my plate you know, or else I just won't have the hours in the day. That's just, that's a, just a numbers game. I, I won't be able to serve as many people if, if I don't do those things. So that's what 2021 is all about that, all about getting the various offers, uh, you know, moving them into the 21st century, if you will, spit shining them to, uh, you know, like I said, I just turned 40 and I, I, I'm guessing I got about 10 to 15 years of the career left. So it's time. It's full steam ahead, right? The stage has been set in my 30s. Time to blast through the 40s and, and get to the end of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, we would we would definitely be remiss if we didn't, uh, before we finish up, talk about sandwiches. Jason, <laughs> okay. If anybody uh, anybody follows you and, and everybody will talk about where to find you, of course, but everybody here should be. But you you uh, famously post your your lunch pictures of your your same favorite sandwich. So so let's hear a couple uh, uh, good recommendations for your favorite sandwiches for for pounding the protein and enjoying your lunch. <laughs> well, first off, you, you have to make sure that you're not doing something silly like going to Kroger or something and, and buying their bread. I mean, you have to make sure that you go to a real bakery um, or at least if you go to the grocery store, find the place that, that that has the fresh bread with, you know, five or six ingredients. I wouldn't necessarily fear all those ingredients, right? They're not going to cause your insides to rot or anything. This isn't a health lesson. It's a taste lesson. It tastes a million times better. Um, I'm a huge sourdough fan, especially toasted sourdough on a sandwich. It's just absolutely 
absolutely fantastic. And the more sour, the better. I, mean, I, I really want to taste that sour in the sourdough. Uh, but if that doesn't work, uh, I think choice number two is a nice rye. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. So I, I, <laughs> I, I, I rock the marble ryes uh, without a doubt. Cheeses, you know, and this is – your listeners are going to yell at me because you call yourself a sandwich guy. I really love American cheese. And people give me crap about it all the time when I post those pictures on Twitter. They're like, bro, your sandwich looks amazing and you're using American cheese. What is your deal? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I love it. I love the creaminess and the saltiness and the taste of American cheese. Uh, but if it's not American, uh, Munster's fantastic. Provolone, a little smoked Gouda. Oh, yeah, that's the there you stuff. go. Um, as far as lunch meat goes, I mean, yeah. Whatever. Vary your lunch meats. But it's the toppings, man. It's all about the toppings. You have to think outside the box with the toppings. I saw your, I saw your post today about the yeah. hummus. Oh, hummus. Hummus is an excellent sandwich topper. I got There's a Mediterranean place right next to us, and they have this homemade hummus, hummus with pine nuts and everything. So I spread oh, yeah. that out. I mean, really, the fat part – now, here's where the nutrition coach comes in. The fat part is to make your food a little easier to eat. It's to lube it up a little bit and to make it a, a little more enjoyable, right? So, you know, that's why sandwiches are just so versatile. You know, you want to add fat, you can add a little a couple slices of cheese. You can add some hummus, and that'll take care of it. I have garlic sauce that I'll use on sandwiches from time to time. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Saint Elmo's, now you're getting me fired up, man. I'm talking about sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> St. Elmo's Extra Spicy Cocktail Sauce. Ooh, Tell right. from, from St. Elmo's restaurant, and I believe it's in Indianapolis, right? They have this incredibly spicy. It's got all that wasabi in it. It'll like clear out your sinuses. It's absolutely fantastic. Go for some of that stuff. So, anyways, the whole sandwich thing is kind of funny. Like, I do eat sandwiches every single day, Monday through Friday. And on most weekend days, I'll eat at least one sandwich too. I guess out of 365 days, 330 days out of the year, I'm eating a sandwich in some way, shape, or form. And and people, like I would post my pictures of my sandwich. You know, people would go, hey, you're a fitness guy. Show us what you eat for lunch. We want to know what your diet is. And I'm like, you know, you don't. <laughs> like, yeah, like are you posting all these crazy uh, like spinach omelets with feta and all this crap? I'm like, I want to drink a protein shake in the morning. Well, how about your lunch? I'm like, all right, I'll start posting my lunches. So at first it was just sandwiches. Like they were just like crap. And I'm like, all right, now I got to spice it up. So I started having some fun with it and seeking out better ingredients and everything. Um, But honestly, it does kind of highlight a concept that I really do believe in. You want your meals to be tasty, simple, repeatable, and healthy. That's what you want. And the sandwich is like that for me. I don't get tired of it. There's a million ways where I can alter it to make it taste a little bit different. Macros and calories are right on point. Takes me two two minutes to make. Perfect food, man. Perfect food. There you go, man. Hey, I'm so hungry now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? right? I ate my sandwich before we started uh, talking. So. I know. So, uh, Jason, last thing here, man, is just uh, uh, make sure everybody knows where they can find you. My website is anymanfitness.com. It's all one word. Don't let the man part scare you. I actually have more female clients than male clients. Kind of funny how that works out. I thought for sure I'd be helping a bunch of, you know, 40-year-old dads get in shape. But wouldn't you know it? I help a lot of 40-year-old moms get in shape too. Uh, So uh, anymanfitness.com. My email address is Jason at any man fitness um i am on facebook but uh to be honest with you i don't post a ton of fitness there it's kind of died off as far as that goes uh, but i'm on instagram at any man fitness and i'm on twitter at any man fitness as well on uh, both twitter instagram and on my website if they want freebies if any of your listeners want freebies there's lots of different workouts gym-based workouts body weight routines there's glute guides if you want to glue your grow your glutes a lot of people want to do that you know dietary setups there's lots of stuff there so come check it out see what i'm all about 
Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, Jason, listen, man, I'm, I'm glad we were able to, to meet up here and uh, have you on. Uh, keep doing your thing, man. Just uh, grow that community and that culture and people keep finding you and, you know, we'll uh, keep working for ourselves and never have to work a day in our lives. Right. That's the well, goal. I, I, that was, I'll tell you what, when I, when I quit working for the schools, as I said, my only goal is I never want to have a boss again. That's it. I don't even care. I don't care how much I make or how successful I am. I just don't want anyone telling me what to do. And uh, Mark, I really appreciate you having me. It's been a fun conversation. And uh, one of these days uh, I'll have to get out on the course with you and see if you can do something with my six foot eight baseball swing that I have. <laughs> it's, it's, you should see the draws. It's, like a 45 degree angle to the left it goes far but it usually uh-huh. hits a condo or a house or something like that <laughs> down All the right. side of the fairway <laughs> fair enough man uh, i like challenge i like a challenge excellent, <laughs> excellent. jason thank you. Thank thanks you so, so much, much man me. yeah yep. absolutely talk to you soon thanks so much to jason helms for joining me I think what you'll get out of Jason's conversation with me today is that getting started with improvement, whatever it may be in fitness or in golf, sometimes just starts with that first step. Two quotes really suck out with me. Good habits are intentional. And he also said progress is fast, but slow. And I think it's really important to understand while we may not get what we want when we want it, if we take the first step and keep moving forward, that 1% better approach every day, we're going to get to where we want to be and be proud of the effort we put in. Thanks again to Jason Helms from Any Man Fitness. Until next time on the Driving Improvement Podcast, I'm Mark Russo. We'll see you on the lesson team.